Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Museum Attack. Is that what you're here for? Good, because that's what I'm here for. So welcome to Museum Attack, book zero in the Lane Parish series. In a couple more episodes, I'm going to tell you the story about how Museum Attack came to be. Um, I'm going to wait till a few chapters from now. There's going to be a very short chapter, and so that would be a good place for me to tell that story, if I can remember to do that. I can probably remember to do that. I'm not all that old. Um... Uh, I'm not going to say how old I am, but it's on the wrong side of a certain decade. But uh, I, I'm old enough to forget stuff. I'll say that. Anyway, you don't care about that. So what you do care about is Chapter 8, Museum Attack. And so let's go ahead and get into that right now. Lane doubled back and began to explore some of the individual rooms. He had to find a weapon. If leaving wasn't an option because of the barricades and soldiers, then he had to do something internally but how to take on a crew of heavily armed and well-coordinated terrorists. He spent a few minutes poking his head into various rooms. Maybe a sculpture would provide something to use as a sword or a similar blunt object. He discovered lots of paint splatters on canvas and one room with thousands of little origami swans hanging from hooks, but no swords. At each turn, he hesitated, tense, no telling when any of these people would pop up from around a corner or an open door. The tension had wormed its way from his neck and shoulders down to his spine, head pounding. These sorts of days were supposed to be behind him. An archway near the elevator caught his eye. He readied his knife and eased through it when something darkened his vision. An object swerved through the air directly at his face. Instinct took over. He threw up a hand and grabbed the object in midair, a cylinder of some kind, heavy and cold to the touch. He jerked it to the right, shifting the attacker off balance and then he shoved it forward to topple the disadvantaged person. The attacker flipped and somersaulted onto the floor. Small, not one of the armed men. Lane got a good look. On the floor was a woman, long blonde hair wrapped up in a ponytail flopping over her neck. A tiny thing, no bigger than five foot three. Ah, crap, she said, hands underneath her back. Then she squinted up at Lane. You're not one of them. Yeah, no, I'm not. Who are you? She grunted and pushed herself up to a sit. Sarah. What are you doing here, Sarah? I'm an intern in the marketing department for the dam. He considered the object in his hand stolen from her. It was a long metal tube with a weighted base and a clip at the top. One of those things used to anchor velvet rope barriers. It was called a stanchion, maybe? He set it on the ground. She eyed it, but didn't reach out to grab it. I'm Lane. How come you're up here and not down in the lobby with the other hostages? I'm good at hiding. That's a dangerous hobby at the moment. Agreed. Are you a cop by chance? She had a hard face, pockmarked, and Lane guessed she'd had years of teenage acne. She looked at least a decade past her teenage years now, though. Despite the hard face, she had gooey brown eyes and a gymnast's physique, compact and lean. He shook his head. Not a cop, sorry. Army? Marines? 
Not exactly. What the heck does that mean? I don't really have time to explain it right now, man. I, I don't know if you've seen what's going on outside, but we're in a lot of trouble. She nodded. Yeah, I can see that. I've been around a few of the floors above this one, and it's all locked down. You know who these people are, right? No clue, he said. They're the Disciples of True America. Never heard of them, Lane said. Some kind of militant group, as far as I can tell. I figured out that much already. She groaned as she rose to her feet. Lane noted that for such a tiny woman, she was more than lean. Muscular. Her biceps bulged against the arms of her blouse. Her back formed a V. They hit a trio of synagogues in Sacramento, she said, about an hour ago. That's the only one I know of for sure, but I think there have been other attacks already today. Sarah, do you know what these people want? I overheard them talking. There's an exhibit on the fourth floor for Jewish History Week. That's their focus. Lane put his hands on his hips. Why? The art is art, uh, the exhibit is art smuggled out of concentration camps. He tapped his lips together as the gears in his brain chugged. The prior conversation from the two guards now made sense to him. They wanted to force the hostages to destroy this art on camera to make their political statement. There are people on the first floor, he said. People in danger. I know. One of them is someone I care about. I need to help her. I'm sorry about that, but, but what can we do? We're at a serious disadvantage here. I need a weapon, he said. Can you point me in the right direction? She sighed an exasperated rush of air. There's an office the security guards use on the floor above us. I have no idea if you're going to find a weapons locker there. In fact, I highly doubt it. But if you have to try, then that's your best bet. Do you have keys? She shook her head. Sorry, they don't trust me with things like that. If they did, I'd have checked it out already. Then you don't happen to have a bobby pin, do you? She raised an eyebrow but nodded anyway, reached up into her hair and leaned closer to hand it to him. Then she sniffed the air, her nose curling. Sorry about that, he said. It's me. I was in a dumpster a few minutes ago. She pursed her lips. I see. Standing there, the conversation had taken an awkward turn. Part of him was still shocked to see another person, a person willing to swing a stanchion at one of them to defend herself. Also, there was something about her manner he didn't trust. She had secrets. You okay? She said. I'm, uh, I'm a bit discombobulated. I only came here for the Game of Thrones exhibit. Yeah, she said. That's a really good one. I'll bet. He hesitated, looking through the archway. Lane knew she was lying about who she was and why she was here, but he figured they were better off together. Come with me, he said. No, she said. I want to stay here. I have a good hiding spot in this room. She picked up the stanchion and clutched it to her chest. I know what to do if they come for me. I think that's a mistake, he said. It's not your decision. Fine, he said. It is what it is. When I'm armed, I'll come back this way. Please don't brain me with your velvet rope pole. He turned to leave, but she reached out and touched his arm. Lane? Yes? What makes you think you can stop these people by going up against them? I mean, even if you find a gun, there's still one of you against a ton of them. He shrugged. I'll figure something out. And you're not a cop? No professional training at all? He shook his head and drew the steak knife from his belt. Maybe, maybe not. 
but I've taken out people a lot nastier than these pieces of shit, so I think I'll be okay. I know what I'm doing. Her brow creased. He tossed her a wink and then left the room. All right, all right, all right. That's chapter, what is it, chapter eight? Um, and I didn't really know what, what kind of voice to do for Lane. I mean, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not great at character voices because um, with uh, any woman, I just kind of like raise the pitch of my voice a little bit. I don't know. I hope that's not offensive or anything. <laughs> that's about as good as I can do. You know, I'm not a professional narrator. Um, I opted not to do a voice for Lane. Um, I, in my Facebook group, uh, for fans of my fiction, which you can join at jimhaskett.com forward slash book O file. That's B O O K O P H I L E P H I L E. Yeah, that's right. Book O file. Um, I put out a question of, if, uh, if Lane Parrish were uh, made into a movie, uh, who would play him? And I got some interesting responses. Uh, Charlie Hunman from Sons of Anarchy, which I don't know if he's quite buff enough, but um, yeah, Lane's a big dude. I, I don't think it really goes into it in um, in Museum Attack, but he's like a bodybuilder size. You know, he's he's like 6'4", 250, 275, like big dude. Um, so there were some interesting responses there, and I opted not to weigh in because I do have a specific person in mind when I see Lane. Uh, and this person is a celebrity. Uh, maybe it's an actor, maybe not. Uh, but I do see some, have somebody in mind when I picture Lane. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to ruin other people's vision of who they think Lane Parrish is by telling you which celebrity I would envision playing that person. Because I mean, I'm sure nobody envisioned Tom Cruise playing uh, Jack Reacher <laughs> in those movies, right? Because he's definitely not the way that Jack Reacher is described in the books. Anyway, but I mean, that's fine. I think the movies came out okay. They weren't great, but you know, they were pretty good anyway. All right. So I'm going to stop rambling about Lee Child and Jack Reacher and Tom Cruise, because um, that's really neither here nor there. Even though I imagine if you're probably listening to this, then you're probably like those books too. Anyway, so um, that's all for today, guys. And uh, I hope you have a good one. Take care of your loved ones and um, go hug your dog. Your dog needs it. I'm just kidding. Don't hug your dog. They actually hate that. Just give your dog a treat. Take care. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books. 